This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I'm going to uh, just get right into the Word because I have a, a question that's been asked and probably you've heard it asked and, and uh, Pastor Rob was telling me he's heard it several times and I have too, is, is God judging America? Is this the wrath of God? And is this the end times? And we'll look at the end times more uh, next week. But I want to talk about, is God judging America? And we need to have an answer. We need to know where we stand. And there's uh, a lot of different viewpoints out there. There's a lot of different uh, voices. And there, there's some people saying it's definitely the judgment of God on America, the wrath of God on America, and uh, there's some that you listen to, and uh, to me, it's, it's just, all I want to do is find a cave and uh, get in that cave or dig a hole or bunker up and get my weapons. I don't have any. I need to go buy some. Uh, been thinking about buying a tank I, <laughs> and, and all these things, but the truth is, that's not scriptural. And that's what we have to go back to is what does the Bible say? The Bible never says that we're to hide out. It never says that we're to uh, be away from people. In fact, we are the light. We're the ones that bring Jesus to those that need to know him. So if you're hiding uh, in some cave somewhere, and like I've always said before, if you're the only one that has, you've stockpiled years of food, they're going to find out where you live. <laughs> and they're coming to visit you. Why don't we do what God says and trust him? We have protection. We have angels. Oh, pastor, I might die. Well, last time I checked, dying for the Christian isn't a bad deal. So if you lose, and maybe you, it wasn't your faith day, maybe it was a headache, unbelief day. <laughs> I don't know. Even when you lose, you win. So we need to look and see what scriptures say. And we need to have understanding that we can speak the truth to all these messages that are out there. And let me say this, I'm not coming against any people. Uh, I believe there's sincere people that, that believe that this is the wrath and judgment of God. I really believe they love the Lord and they're sincere. But we have to go by Scripture. And it's amazing to me too when I listen to some of these, it's almost an heirs. They're superior to everyone else. They have this, this revelation, this judgment of God, and I don't see the humility there. And when you have pride, I know what the Word says, God resists the prideful. I don't think anybody has the answers. And when I hear someone say, I've got all the answers, I'm, that's enough right there. Because nobody has all the answers. Can I hear amen? amen? 
But I know where to go. We need to go to the Word and go to Jesus, see what he has to say. So we're going to look at that. I heard somebody say that, well, God is ticked off, and we finally pushed him over the edge. I would want to take God off and push him over the edge. <laughs> so the question is, is this coronavirus, the death and destruction in our streets, the wildfires, natural disasters, is this the judgment of God for our moral decay and wicked ways for the sins of America? Well, I'm going to show you in Scripture that that's the way religion looks at things a lot of times, or the legalistic mindset. Jesus has something to say about this. In Luke chapter 13, verse 1, about this time Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think that those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee. These people were murdered, and they're, they're thinking that, I wonder, the judgment of God came on them, or what sin, that's what they're thinking. Jesus asked, is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again, that unless you repent, you will perish too. So Jesus is saying that these tragedies were not the result of people's sinfulness. So they weren't a worse sinner than the rest of Jerusalem, the rest of the Galileans. That wasn't it. He's, he's saying this was not the judgment of God for sins. He was speaking to the lie the people were believing. But Jesus revealed the Father to us. He is the exact expression of the Father God. He is the visible representation or expression of the invisible God. So when I want to know what God is like, I, I go and I look at Jesus. Because Jesus, he told Thomas, he said, I've been with you all this time. You all know who the Father is? You've seen me. You've seen the Father. We're one. So you know Father God from looking at Jesus. This isn't guesswork. It's not a place for our opinion. And I've heard this even from, uh, I can remember early in my Christian walk having, you know, something bad happens to a Christian. I wonder, well, I wonder what they did. <laughs> That's the wrong thinking. See, I was actually in a place of judgment and Jesus saying that's wrong. That's before I learned what I'm about to present to you. And most of you know Know this, but it's just to bring to your remembrance what the scriptures really say. But for me to judge is wrong. And for me to say, I wonder what sin they committed is wrong. 
what we do, how many know a Christian that a tragedy has happened to? All of us. What do we do? We love them. We come alongside them and pray for them and believe with them. And we don't get into judgment. Oh, pastor, I can't believe anybody do that. Absolutely. Seen it. Well, no, I'm not even, never mind. I ain't going to go there. We're going to move on. I got a lot I want to say. <laughs> get off on that trail. We won't stop. Okay. In Genesis 18, we find that God would not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah until he had one spiritually lukewarm lot, a worldly wife and two daughters, until they left, God would not bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. That's Old Testament. Just a thought. Egypt, Pharaoh, you know, he would not let get people's, uh, God's people go. The plagues came. It was the judgment of God on, on Egypt. God sent thunder and hell upon Egypt in Exodus 9.25. It left all of Egypt in ruins. The hell struck down everything in the open field, people, animals, and plants alike. Even the trees were destroyed. The only place without hell were the, uh, hell, <laughs> yes, hell, was the region of Goshen where the people of Israel lived. Isn't that interesting? Now, it must have been because the people in the land of Goshen were so holy and sinless. <laughs> it was because... They belonged to God. They were God's people. One of the greatest proofs of God's judgment is that the just did not suffer like the unjust. When believers and unbelievers are suffering alike in a pandemic or whatever, unbeliever, and believers suffering alike, it's not the judgment of God. What about Noah? When judgment came, he was lifted above the judgment that came on the earth. What about Jesus' disciples, James and John? Remember the sons of thunder? They were a little upset. The Samaritans had... Um, the, they had treated Jesus bad, and, and Jesus on the way to Jerusalem. And they, hey, Jesus, can we call down fire from heaven? Said, so we're, we're just going to take care of these people. And what did Jesus do? He turned and rebuked them and said, you don't know what kind of spirit you're of. The Son of Man came not to condemn, but to save so it's it was the wrong spirit now I, I personally i think they were shocked and stunned if they had any clue this may not be right you know i'm not going to jesus and say this they didn't have any clue and they go what 
the sons of thunder lost their thunder that day. (laughs) If God is destroying people today judging sin, he's destroying the lives that could be a part of the harvest of souls. Why would he destroy the ones we're supposed to minister to? Just a thought. Why would he, if you're fishing, if there's just one pool to fish in, why would God destroy that pool and there's no more fishing for souls? 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6. It's not in your notes or anything, but the weapons are a warfare not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So there's a warfare that takes place in our head. And we have to take the word of God and cast down those thoughts. Cast them out. Get rid of them. It's not done unintentionally it's done intentionally so i'm not going to think those thoughts and you start speaking the truth and we cast down the arguments and the opinions and the and all these things that come against us because the enemy wants to take our minds if he can take our reasoning and our arguments that come against the word of god he can steal the promise of god from you and he can cause you to walk in the unabundant life Instead of the abundant life. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Say not counting men's sins against them. Now, let me tell you what that means in the Greek. It means not counting men's sins against them. God is not counting men's sins against them. I heard many people at, uh, when the Twin Towers came home, it's a judgment of God. One preacher got up and said, if New York doesn't repent of its evil ways, it will be destroyed by the wrath of God. Katrina hit. This is the judgment of God against our nation. The only problem I had, why did God miss Bourbon Street and the French Quarter? Was his GPS not working that day? Was there a holy rebuke for an angel? Hey, you missed it. Just a thought. He's not counting men's sins against them. He's not judging our sins. Our sins were fully paid at the cross. There was a legal acquittal from all condemnation, every condemning sentence. It was fully satisfied the legal judgments. Our righteous God demands full payment for our sins. 
That means there's no failure or outstanding debt. When you're with the Lord for a million years, he goes, oh, that ran out. Your payment ran out. It'll never run out. It says it was paid and satisfied totally. It's gone. It's finished. It's paid off. So God is not judging sins. It would be like a double jeopardy. It's already been paid for, and now he's bringing you back to pay for it again. God's full wrath and judgment against all sin was fully satisfied in Christ. It's, it's essential to your faith that you get this, that God's not judging you. It set me free when I got the truth of that, that God wasn't my enemy. He wasn't judging me. He was for me, not against me. He was delighting in giving mercy he was there for me. He was strengthening me to overcome these things in my life. And he was a good father. He was not saying, look, you missed a 6 a.m. call. You're 6'10". You're not getting in my lap. <laughs> Can you imagine going and witnessing? Brother, I've got news for you. God saw what you did last night. And the wrath and judgment of God's coming against you. He's angry with you. Now he said, come with good news. What's the good news? Jesus went to the cross and paid the price for your sins. You have been rescued. You have been legally set free. Will you receive the payment? Will you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's the gospel. That's the good news. See, what's going to happen, I really believe, all of this is going to backfire on the enemy, and I have dreams of God doing mighty things through his people. I have had dreams that we couldn't fit the people in around here because the body of Christ was rising up and going forth and winning the laws, saving the the. Those that were lost, bringing healing, raising the dead, casting down spirits, doing the work of ministry, fulfilling their place, everyone taking their part in the body. Instead, just 10% doing that, 100%, the body of Christ going out in power and being who we should be. I believe the best days are before us. Jesus said, I'm waiting till... My enemies are made my footstool. Who does that? We do. We're the body. We put our feet on the enemy. That's what Jesus is waiting for before he comes back. He says, I'm coming back to everyone hears his gospel. Has everyone heard? No. That's next week. Okay. Prior to the cross, Jesus spoke this truth. John 12, verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. King James, New King James, all, all men to myself. 
the judgment for sins for 2,000 years ago. But when you, you studied it, he said, if I'm lifted up, that means when he went to the cross. That's what he's talking about there. When I was lifted up, he said, I will draw all people, all men to myself. When you look it up, people or, or men there is italicized and it's not in the original. It was added by the translators because they didn't understand what it was saying. When you don't read it with that there, and we've all said it, I've said it for years, if we, Jesus be lifted up, he'll draw all men into him. And that, I think there is a truth to that. If we lift up on high Jesus, it's going to be a light beacon and it's going to draw people. See, that's where the ultimate, uh, ultimate reconciliation people come from. This one verse. They said, Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, he goes to the cross, he would draw all men into him. They say all will be saved. But what they leave out, you have to receive him. You have to receive him. So that's a, a lie of the enemy that all are saved. But when you take that out, what is he drawing to him? If it's not men, the subject or the context here is judgment. He's saying the judgment of this world has come. I be lifted up, I'm going to draw it all to me. All judgment for sin he took upon himself. This is good news. Okay, John 5, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. 1 John 2, 2. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ourselves only, but also for the whole world. Propitiation here. Uh, one of the best words is appeasement. And appeasement means to satisfy. He appeased the wrath and judgment of God for our sins. Took the righteous penalty of the, of the law in our place. So our acquittal is firmly established. In Romans 5, verse 9. There's so many verses you can pull from this. Romans 5, verse 9, much more than having now been justified, and we know justified, you can put the word righteous, made righteous, by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him. That's the reason I believe that no Christian, no believer will experience the wrath of God or the judgment of God. And you'll, you'll see next week where I stand on some certain things and tell you why. But there's people I respect who disagree, you know, on the rapture and different things. But I do not believe that the wrath and judgment of God will come on a son or daughter of God. Think about it. You're filled with his Holy Spirit and God's wrath and judgment coming on a son or daughter who has the Holy Spirit inside of them. Made righteous. He suffered the wrath that we deserved. He who knew no sin became sin. He became every sin known 
by man, by, that there is. He, he suffered as an adulterer. He suffered and, and died as a liar, as a murderer. He, he suffered in, in every way, took every sin. He took the judgment, paid the price in full. This is the reason we can go up to someone and say, God loves you. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. What a great message that we have. He took the sin of alcoholism, pride, rebellion. So we have no fear. We have no reason to fear rejection. We have no reason to fear judgment. The chastisement of our peace was upon him where you can have peace with God. Because of the finished work of the cross, you can fellowship with God. In fact, now you can boldly enter into the throne room of grace and mercy. Mercy is when you've blown it. Come up to the throne room. Um, Jesus goes, um, Bob, you may not want to come today. God the Father's had a bad day. This is judgment day. trucking out there. No. No, he's totally at peace because the price has been paid in full. He's a righteous, holy God and it had to be paid, but it was paid. It was paid in full for us. Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus' sacrifice and you can uh, say the whole chapter awesome. It took place on the, on the cross. But Isaiah 54 starts going into the effect of what happened because of the cross. Starts talking about a new covenant that would take place. Verse 7, for a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you. Say everlasting kindness. Says the Lord your Redeemer. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I've sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth. So have I sworn. That I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. That's our covenant. That's the new covenant. What a promise. He says he's not going to be angry with you. He's going to be merciful and kind to you. He, he's going to have a covenant of peace with you. And he said, it's just like the covenant with Noah. Now, you remember the covenant with Noah. He had this sign this, of the covenant. You remember the rainbow? I don't know how many caught that rainbow. What was that, last week? It's just awesome. I mean, I told him, I just, I came home. I'm looking at it in the car. I came home. I just went in the backyard. Just, uh, God, I uh, <laughs> hope no neighbor saw me. But, and I talked to Elder Robert 
Montgomery. You know, he said the, uh, it came from his yard. <laughs> I mean, this was a magnificent rainbow. And God is saying, it's just like the, the rainbow, that covenant I made with Noah. Just as sure as that is, this is a surety that I will have loving kindness towards you and mercy towards you. I will no longer be angry. There's a covenant of peace between you and I that will not be removed. That's the reason they said glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. From heaven, peace on earth and goodwill towards men because born unto you is the Son of God that would give his life to redeem all of mankind and all those that will bow a knee and surrender their heart and life to him, they will have eternal peace with God. And when you have peace with God, means you can fellowship with God and you can get up in the morning and get in his lap. And he doesn't mind if you give him a kiss on the cheek. He's a good father. How can he do this? It's just almost too good to be true. Well, it's true. Because Jesus paid the price in full for all of us. Because of the finished work of the cross, God's wrath and judgment has already taken place. So we can enter a peaceful relationship with the Holy God. You, you know, if, if I came in here and I said, you know, I had a dream last night and God is going to judge the earth by water again. Well, see, that's part of the covenant of Noah. You say, I'll never judge the earth by water. But if I came here with a dream and say, God's going to judge the earth by water. You would immediately say, that's wrong. That's some bad pizza you had. <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> no way. He said he wouldn't. But have a person come in and say, I believe this is the judgment of God for our sins. And you'll have half of the believers going, yeah. But it's just like... The covenant with Noah. The covenant with Jesus. See, we, we think about this and we think, well, I've blown it. And that gets God down his side of the covenant. He's free not to give me the promise. But see, the covenant wasn't with us. The covenant was made with Jesus. And for the covenant to fail, Jesus has to fail. But he didn't fail. He's already done it. It is finished. And therefore, our covenant is eternal. Wow. I, a shouting ground. Well, how do I get in on it? God put me in Christ. He was my substitute. He took my place. He did it for me. And he put me in him. So what he gets, I get. And we're joint heirs now. Wow. I'm going to say it again. Wow. 
this is a good gospel. I'm telling you. It's good. Mm. The covenant with Noah was sealed for rainbow. The covenant of peace was sealed in the blood of Jesus. When God did this, he swore peace with believers and unbelievers. He did not appease the sins of the church, but the world. When you read it, it says, for the sins of the world. So present time, God's not judging no person for sin. There's coming a day for judgment, but it's not now. We're in a dispensation of grace, and the church, we're to be occupying till he comes, being about our business. Winning the lost. Praying, interceding for our country. We're to be about our business. So it doesn't matter. Just do what he says. Be about his business. So the question is, is God judging America? No. I submit to you that God has already judged America at the cross. At the cross. Well, Pastor, you're just giving people a license to sin. I found they don't need a license. <laughs> well, maybe I should say, well, what difference does it make if I sin or not then? If God's not counting sin against me, the enemy is when you walk in sin... Sin has a end result to it called death. And you're going the wrong way from the way you were created to live and, and live your life. And it produces death. And the enemy comes in, he takes advantage of that. So you open your, your life up to the enemy and you're producing death in your life. So sin is... Is you're to run and flee from it. But you have help. You can go to a God who loves you, won't judge you. He's going to show you the way out. He's going to help you overcome it. That's our God. Well, what's happening in America? Sin. Because sin has a result called death. You're seeing the results of death when you go against what God has as his values, what he, his standards are, when you go against it, you're going to reap death. There is sowing and reaping. So there's destruction. But it's not the wrath of God or the judgment of God. It's self-inflicted wounds is what's happening. But we as the church... We rise up in this hour and we speak the truth in love and we go forth in the power of the Spirit and people see a difference and they're drawn to the Jesus in us and we minister his amazing, glorious grace. See why he's worthy? See why when we all get to heaven, nobody's going to go up, look what I did, Jesus, no. Now, you're going to be, let me just tell you, 
I've had some dreams where I've seen the Lord, and uh, you're going to be just on your face crying and bawling for a holy God. (laughs) You can have your speech already before God, and you're going to just, oh, Jesus, wonderful, glorious Jesus. And you're going to worship him. Hallelujah. So tell your friends and tell your neighbors this isn't the wrath of God. It's not the judgment of God. When that happens, you'll know. And there will not be any guesswork. I mean, a third of the population wiped out. We'll talk about that next week. (laughs) Let's, Let's have the worship team. Let's real quick. And she's going online too. About, let's bow our heads. If you never accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we'll give you an opportunity to do that. What do you do? You surrender your, your heart and your life. You live for Him. You follow after Him. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You serve a perfect one. But you get into a relationship with Him. He loves you so much. He's so for you. It costs Him so much. To save you, to give you this opportunity to be a part of his family. If that's you, just want you to say, Dear God, let's say it together. Dear God, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'll follow you, Lord, all the days of my life. I'm not going to play games, I'm all in. And I thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live this life. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Stand up and worship. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.